The Writer's Room, a 7th C podcast, is endorsed by Chaosium, Inc. For more information, visit www.chaosiuminc.com forward slash 7th C and use the code WRITER10 for 10% off your next site-wide purchase. Limit one per customer. Hello, friends. Come on in. Your seats are ready. The tea is hot. Or cold, if you prefer. While there are a few new seats and pillows, Officer Raven has informed me they are ready for seating. Officer Nightingale has informed me that there are new teas to try today, so if you fancy yourself a fine cup of something new, go tell Gregory. I do believe that... Officers Stuart and Tarkin are on milk duty, guarding that door with their lives. This is a dairy-free establishment. Please keep it outside, friends. Thank you very much. And speaking of the door, Officer Cheshire has given me the OK symbol, saying that the door still creaking. Officer Covington has assured me that the cozy corner is ready and prepped for any snuggle time you may need. Love that. Officer V... The book, if you please. Thank you. What's that? Oh, yes, I should mention that, huh? Thank you, Officer V. <clears throat> Friends, I have been nominated as Best Game Master in the Chaosium category for the Crit Awards, which is creator recognition in the TTRPG community. Their mission is to celebrate and recognize the contributions and achievements of the community in a way that is inclusive, diverse, and represents all the values of the community. So I've been nominated, and I've made it to the finals. The award ceremony is at Gen Con, and if it pleases you, and you would be so inclined, you can go ahead and vote for me or many other fantastic creators. I know that our beloved Patrick Keefe is also under there for best player in the Chaosium category as well as Jolene Kaur for Best Instrumental. You'll hear more about her much later, I promise. But I will link that in the description. Go do the thing. Go vote. <laughs> we love and appreciate you so much. Thank you. All right, now. Oh, one more thing. There is a new mid-reel ad, so pay close attention to it. You might find some fun, new, interesting things. All right. Let's go on to the story, shall we? <clears throat> Last we left off, we put Castile to our backs as we headed to Numa. The crew is all back together again. No worse for wear. And now, it is the morning after. We'll see what that brings for them, shall we? <clears throat> Article 5. Dealing in Unknowns. A horizon line, sleepy with night, the blue-black starry sky just beginning to open her eyes as morning dawns. We see the pale, orange, almost rosy glow as the day begins to awaken. And as we begin to pan out from the horizon, we are greeted with a calm sea. Fair winds. And amongst the vast field of blue-green, sometimes teal, 
maybe a little white with some white cap waves. There is a small ship with blue-gray sails and a serpentine skull at its figurehead. We zoom in on the hunter ship The Thorn, in through a porthole, and into the infirmary where we find Dala, our ship's doctor, sleeping. Dala, what do you dream of? Ah, <sighs> She dreams of her home and her family. So we see little snippets of Vested Manavanyar, the fjords, the ice, the snow. But in this weird dream that we're having, we also see a great tree. A tree so big that if you lifted your head, you still could not see the canopy. And at the base of this tree is a shape. Indistinct features. Can't tell if man or woman can barely make out shoulders and arms and legs. And you hear several voices at once. And then you wake up. Hmm. That must mean something. Sun is shining through. The sea is calm. It's still very, very early morning, probably like just pre-dawn. Dalla's first going to write down as much as she can remember from her very creepy dream and <laughs> just get that down like before she's even fully awake. She'll scribble that down in a notebook somewhere and then get dressed and head up top. It is too early for this and she regrets being out of bed already. <laughs> Angelica, where are you? Angelica is fully dressed at the helm. She's not steering the ship. Kieran is there. She is just eyes forward on their course. Was Kieran on night watch before or did Kieran get to sleep? He had to stay up all night because we were short-handed. The only reason he is still at the helm is because his arm is hooked, keeping him upright. His eyes are half open. He has yet to take the makeup off. The little like heart beauty mark that he had on his cheek is wiped away, making this big black streak. And he is lightly snoring. Angelica, you see Dollar. She comes straight over to you. Miss Bronson, assembly officers. Yes, Captain. Gives you a little nod and clomps away. <laughs> am I politely getting the officers up or am I impolitely getting the officers up? Angelica is the stoniest, coldest she's been since you set sail. Her failing to embellish her order is already not a good sign. Yeah, I feel like that tells Dala a lot already. So yeah, she's going to head down to where she knows everyone is sleeping. I think she'll probably grab Diego first. If any of his brothers are around, just kind of shoot him a look of like, don't even. Where does Amboise sleep? Does she know? Doesn't he sleep behind the door? So when Amboise is not using the red door or the red door is not active, it is simply just a closet space that Amboise sleeps and keeps his stuff in. The telltale sound of it screaming means it's active. That's what it was. You have like a little tiny closet-y size area 
she'll wake up Amboise. As Dala goes to the door, she hears a sound of screaming from the other side of it. And then as her hand goes to still open the door, out walks a very waterlogged Amboise. (laughs) Oh no, where were you? Oh, there's a lot of resolve in her at first of like, I'm going to go get him. And then sees him and is like, oh, you look like shit. All right, come on. Oliver is sitting with Wesley. And Wesley's just kind of sitting there. He's whittling on something, making some sort of little trinket. Oliver has been mumbling, it's just a story. It's just a story. It's just a story. When you approach, Wesley lifts up. Hi, Dola. Good morning. Morning. Is he all right? I don't really know. He's been saying that same thing over and over again. Keep an eye on him. I will. Thanks. Dala will find Mallory. Similar vibe of like, come with me or I'll make you come with me. (laughs) Mallory is peeking down from the crow's nest, looking down at Dala. How bad is it? Pretty bad. All right, well, let me get my coat first. It's fucking freezing up here. I'll wait. Mallory comes down. I like Mallory getting a coat because that sort of implies that Diego's bundled up in a blanket being carried <laughs> He's by like, Dala. This is nice, honestly. <laughs> Little cocoon. She's wrapped in a blanket like a sick person. <laughs> <laughs> Like a little abuelo. (laughs) A large burrito of a man. A large Spanish burrito. (laughs) I need a little sketch of uh, Burrito Diego (laughs) slung over the shoulder of very serious morning Dala. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm writing it down. (laughs) Dala will herd them all towards Angelic on the top deck and kind of just clear her throat to get Angelica's attention and gesture. Here they are. At this point, Angelica wakes up Kieran. <laughs> well, uh, I wasn't sleeping at all. Um, You're fine, my love. I know that. <laughs> you don't gotta tell me. Go rest. Uh, uh, wait, I can go to bed? Go to sleep, Kieran. Going to bed! Grabs you, kisses you on the cheek, kisses you on the other cheek, kisses you on the forehead, and it gives you a Big ol' smooch on the lips. I'm going to bed. I'm trying to do a thing here. Could you please? Could you please just go to bed right now? Yes, Captain, I'm going to bed. Junker just like wiping the stray <laughs> lipstick marks off. Like, oh, I gotta oh, look. so much makeup. Gotta look, yeah. um, Trying yeah, to okay. be intimidating in front of my crew. That's a lip stain. That's not coming <laughs> That's off. That's a lip stain. Okay, all right. Just <sighs> like angrily adjusting her coat because she can't get it off her face. <laughs> Kieran stumbles down the aft castle and into the quarters, and you hear him mumble a single phrase to Saya, and then flop. So she takes the helm, and she hasn't made eye contact with anyone besides Kieran. To say that I am upset with this group would be the understatement of a lifetime. Do any of you have anything to say for yourselves? Yes, Captain. I'd like to report my findings from last night, if this is going to be an officer's meeting. She nods. Last night, in addition to finding more information on the Manacles and their creator, I located and aided in the escape of one Alvara Alcimiega, saving her from the clutches of the Church, and also, as it turns out, the clutches of the ATC, who, as I have discovered, are mighty fond of her. 
Last night I rescued valuable information from getting into the hands of the church. Last night I located and tagged the ship belonging to Diego's oldest nemesis. And last night I returned, frankly, on time. If I remember correctly, Officer Pendragon had us back on board before the ship had left the bay. Don't sleep on the fact that you contributed a new cryptid to Castilian culture. What? El Diablo Azul. Oh, shut up. That is my report for the night, Captain. Thank you. That is half true, Mallory. You delivered Alvara into my custody and then returned to collect portions of her creations. I commend you on your success. But in the future, when we have the mind of someone capable of reproducing their work, let's not jeopardize your own life to save a few pieces of a machine. Mallory's mouth pulls down into a bit of a frown, and they sort of protectively hug the coconut closer to them, but they don't add any more. Mr. Pendragon. Hey, Captain. Thank you for bringing back everyone alive. But in the future, I would appreciate if you would run such rescue plans by me and the rest of the crew. Of course, Captain. I cannot have officers going off for against two ships worth of soldiers. This is not how the Thorn can operate. We are not big enough. If I do not know what your plans are, how am I supposed to watch you, to see your threads, to tell whether you have chosen a correct destiny or not? She looks over at Diego. And you. You started all of this because on the night that we were set to steal from the most high-profile targets we have ever attempted, on that night... When the Villanova family head, my uncle, told me to remove an Inquisition target from the city, you chose that night to disobey a direct order from your captain. See. That's all. What do you want me to say? It was Liliana. I know who it was. You think I wanted to leave her? Diego, we cannot steal your family out of the royal palace. We are one ship. Castile has an armada. We are illegal pirates hunting the people responsible for taking them away in the first place. But no. You wanted to go up against all of them by yourself. Look what it got you. I couldn't even throw you overboard if I wanted to. Doll is going to pipe up at that. So they're not going for a swim this morning? No, we do not have time. We have to rush to Numa to deal with the child on board. Dalla only looks slightly disappointed. She's still got her eyes on Diego. She never, like, looked to Dalla because she doesn't want to, like, focus any of her anger that direction. Yes, you are my captain. But she is my North Star. Angelica will motion for someone else to take the helm. Amboise takes the helm. She marches over to Diego. And she is safe, Diego. No harm can come to her while she has the king's favor. Bless Liliana's skill with children, she has done well for herself. But if you steal her and your son away, they become wanted, the same as us. And I cannot fight off the ATC, the Inquisition, and the whole of Castile at the same time. I am not strong enough, Diego. I am not strong enough. I could not deal with losing you on the same night we just got them back. I lived because I knew you were clever enough to figure things out on your own without me. I am sorry. 
I will do better to follow orders and get back on the ship faster next time. And you are not a fool, Primo, but you are blinded by your love. And right now I am trying to make you see clearly again. We will reunite you with your family, I promise you that. But you need to be patient. You need to trust me. All of you need to trust me. When have I ever made the decision that did not take into account the well-being of this entire crew? I choose the path which is best for everyone here because I can see it. And she tugs on her own thread so that it's visible. The barbs of it digging to her hand. Oh, fuck. We cannot split ourselves apart. Not now. There is too much at stake. She lets it go. And she will go back to the helm. We make course for Numa. You're all dismissed until the afternoon. Mallory leans over to Amboise. Do you think it's also a good idea to tell her there's now a civil war in Castile? Honestly, transparency among the crew is what keeps us alive. Best policy. Captain, I'd like to add an addendum to my report. Doctor? If it is any consolation, if you're worried about fighting the Inquisition, the ATC, and the government of Castile, well, gladly let you know they are now all fighting each other. I think she looks out on the deck of the ship. Is Alvara around? No. Then I think she looks at Mallory and her eyes trace an invisible something from you below decks. Keep our guests in the greatest of care, Mallory McCoy. When we solve whatever is going on with Tia, we will make course for Aragosta and drop her off with my Villanova contacts there. Thank you, Captain. Before the officers' meeting is fully disbanded, Wesley comes up top decks. Good morning, Captain. I got some news for you. Come up to the quarter deck, Mr. Wesley. Oh, I've never been to the quarter deck before. It's right and proper, it is. He walks up and takes out a notepad that he has that is smashed and covered in soot and grease. It's a nasty fucking notepad. But he opens it up and flips it over. Right, so while I was watching Mr. Barcroft, because he's a little tapped in the head right now, I've been keeping track of what he's saying. And in between his mumblings about it's just a story and his ramblings about he ain't never seen anything like that before, he kept apologizing to this person named Charlotte. And it must have been real bad, because he's real sorry, and he was crying a little bit, but I shouldn't have told you that. Anyway, and while I was talking about friends, he was saying that he was best friends with the good King Sandoval himself he is. And while I can't really prove the validity of his statement, he did seem pretty earnest and kept telling me that he was friends with the King and that he was going to tell the king all about it. And if he is friends with the king, then that's really important for us to know. Aye? Aye. We will delve the depths of Mr. Barcroft when he is able to stand upright on his own two feet. He is rambling on and on and saying the same thing over and over again. This is what happens when we launch rescue missions through the ways. Well, he did say he didn't open his eyes when I asked him about the ways, so I think he'll be alright. I think he just needs a good night's sleep. Give him my extra fruit ration. I could give him a bit of the old draft, if you like. If there is any left. All right, Captain's orders. Thank you, Mr. Wesley. You're welcome, Captain. I'm away. And he pitters off. Dalla will help Diego back downstairs so he can rest some more. So as everyone's leaving, Ambroise goes up to Angelica. Do you have a moment for a uh, brief discussion? What is it you need to tell me? And he's going to very pointedly look around to make sure that T is not around. Tia is not around. The girl with the silver hands. 
Do you have an idea how long she shall be on the ship? Only as long as it takes me to figure out where it is she truly should be, and to make sure that my aunt does not get her hands on her. Is there a way to expedite this process? No. Only if we can catch a storm winds to speed us up. C'est bon. Unless you want to open the way for the entire ship. <laughs> I'm afraid I do not have enough blood in my body for something like that right now. And I would not ask it of you. One day, you might have to. Also, Captain, I do not have any marks in Numa. And the girl has no fate threads. Sail into the unknown, Amboise. Hmm? If that makes your heart jump into your throat, you are not alone. Zoe, how far is Numa? There is Thea. We are looking down at the bottom of the map. You guys are in the Vatacine Gulf. Rioja, where you came from, is just above Vatacine City. And in the Numenari Approach, which, as you can imagine, is where Numa is, it's just a straight shot between the Signore Islands down there. Your ship is super fast. Probably a day to traverse the Gulf, and then another day to Numa. So probably about two days, if you're going full speed and not stopping for anything. Well, I'm not planning on it, but who knows what will come up. We should reach the Empire, or what is left of it, within a couple days. Until then, have two of the Iglesias brothers on her at all times. She is not to touch the door. She is not to touch any member of the crew. She is to be kept comfortable, but contained. We kept them. As Zemboise walks away, she'll call out again. Viejo! And she just mouths, thank you. And her eyes are a little misty. Slight nod. Zemboise, the camera follows you for a little bit. You're still sodden. A piece of seaweed eventually falls out of your locks. Slaps itself on the floor as you head to the infirmary where Diego is. Diego has two of the brothers there. El Tigre is asleep in one of the chairs, just leaned up, arms folded. And Paco is leaned over one of the tables with his arm stretched out, propping up his head at a very odd angle. And every once in a while, he'll slowly lean and then catch himself. Both of them have bags underneath their eyes. They've been up pretty much all night watching Diego. And Tia is still asleep in the bed where Diego was pulled from, all curled up in a tiny little ball, holding this little potato sack plushie that Diego has made her. <laughs> yeah, Dala would have, like, just carried Diego in and put him down, and as he's getting settled, he'd call out to the brothers, Hey, it is time to wake up. You think uh, just because I'm not awake to make oh, the coffee, you guys can sleep around all day? Right, Sorry, I... I get up we will start making the coffee but you are the one that makes the coffee the best relax i'm kidding now go set your hammocks up in my room and get some actual sleep none of this lounging around bothering dollar see hermano see see come on Tulio. let's go and thank you nel tigre eventually stands up writes the chair writes paco's chair taps you very lightly on the shoulder twice diego and heads out the door and Boaz probably catches them on their way out, sees that they look far worse than he does. Mm, very haggard. And he's just going to let them go off. He'll find the other two later. He will peek his head in, though. Oh, Amboise, it is good to see you. Come in. 
How are you feeling, Diego? <laughs> much better, much better. People take good care of me. Of course they take good care of you. You're a good person. You deserve to be taken care of. I appreciate that. And uh, I know I was a little shaken up at the time, but I meant what I said. I will get you all the... And he goes to say blood, but then he realizes Tia is right there. <laughs> I will get you whatever you need for your birthday magic. Oh, mon dieu. I don't know if you need to teach me. I don't know how it works, but every day we get farther and farther away from Castile. And your magic is the only way I know to get back. Diego, we have a ship. Getting back is not the issue. Keeping track is. I do not understand. Should you find your way back over there in Castile? Where are you going? To Liliana. And where is Liliana? At the palace. Alright, so do you just plan on walking right into the palace? Look, I don't have a plan right now, okay? But the first step is figuring out- The first step is breathing. And coming up with a plan so that we don't go suddenly off a boat into the water, back onto a boat, and end up with our heads through a window. You are better than that. I know, that's why I am trying to figure out what resources we need. Well, let's work it from the top. Say you do make it to Castile. Say Liliana is in the palace. Say you find yourself at the palace gates without a way to get in. Without any idea of where in the palace she is. What would you do? Amboise, I do not know. The king is is too big, is too powerful. Then ignore the king. I can't ignore his guards as well. Look, all I am saying is that it is best that you open some form of communication. You don't want to be stuck outside waiting for some way to get in. Uh, communicate? Uh, how how can we, do I write a letter? Writing a letter is the simplest way. Okay, I will write one. But where are you going to send it? Uh, Amboise, I do not know. I just... I just, I need help, okay? If you need help, help will be given. Simply need to ask, but you need to know what it is that you want to ask for. I'm not angry at you. I am angry at the world. (laughs) Trust me, the world is angry at us. Yeah, I was beginning to think that. Thank you. So, does Leon have any way of getting contact to you? There is a port sorcerer in the palace, apparently. All right, that makes this far, far easier than I expected. Oh, and at that mention, the light bulb goes off, but not like a fun light bulb. Amboise, I gave your name to Liliana. I hope that is okay, and Uh, I hope that that is your name. You're allowed to have your secrets. You don't have to tell me, but... Is it what I have you calling me? See, yes. Then it is my name. Fair enough. If there's probably a chance that I might know this person. Uh, at the same time, I really hope I don't because <laughs> there's so many Porte Sorcerers. Are they all as nice as you? Diego, I am not nice. So, Mr. Mean, what can <laughs> I do for you? What you can do for me is find something that you can write on. Make it about the size of your hand. And if you can, make it something easy to write on over and over again. Something that you can clean off. And then... Should Liliana's sorcerer contact us, we have a way we can get back in contact with them. Or at least, we shall have an address that we can send something to. And then we can work out the details from there. Thank you. Oh, I also may or may not have thrown a pebble into a carriage. And of course, they probably have plenty of carriages, but you never know. I am going to assume that you telling me you threw a rock at my wife was (laughs) some sort of magical benefit to us all. We, Sivre? 
I threw a rock at your wife, and it has a magical benefit for us all. More importantly, it has a magical benefit for you and your happiness. And you tell me you are not nice. I am not nice. I am efficient. I will help keep the crew together as best I can, until the day that the crew does not need to be together. I appreciate that. Angelica is a good captain. I'm glad she has good taste in crew and officers. Did you ever find the way that we joined the crew kind of weird, though? I mean, I understand that my brothers were a bit of a family buy-in, but I think the rest of the crew went through Angelica as anybody else would. That's a fate. Not for me to understand. But then again, that is not where my magic lies. Yes, your magic is much more useful. I have no need for threads. I need to get places. (sighs) Diego, everything is a thread. But that is a tale for another day. If you don't mind... Do you think you could bring me a book or two? If I'm going to be stuck here for a while, I might need something to read. I don't suppose we have anything that is kid-friendly. You would be surprised. I can't imagine she knows how to read. Perhaps uh, Dala has something. Or, uh, should it even think of this? Maybe Wesley. I have seen the way Wesley keeps his notebooks. I don't want to keep any of his books around Tia. That is fair. Camera transitions out of the infirmary, goes down the lane a little bit, and then shoots upwards into Mallory's laboratory. Alvara Alciniega has taken up most of the bed, and it's not because she's sleeping on it. It's because she has a workbench laid out. There's a sailcloth draped over the sheets and the pillows to keep them clean, but there are various amounts of tools. There are books open. There are books propped open. Some books she managed to put in netting that's hanging up above her so that all she has to do is just look above and find whatever it is that she needs and then goes back to work. Mallory, you walk into that. Opens the door and just like walks right into a book. Ah, (laughs) wow, you've um, really (sighs) moved in to the place. Sorry, you spooked me. Terribly sorry, I didn't mean to. That's all right. This is genius. Well, in order for me to work properly, I need to really get my mind into the workspace. Yeah, your mind is plastered all over the workspace right now. Oh, lo siento. I will clean it up immediately. No, 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 no. That's not an insult. Are you sure? This is great. All right. Well, I will clean up when I am done. I just... I was finishing up the final adjustments on the lenses, and I was hoping I could run into you, actually. And you look at her face, and there are just bags underneath her eyes. She has not slept. And also, probably hasn't slept beforehand, either. Because she's been on the run. When you take a good long look at her, she looks very manic. And she hands you this small little spyglass. I've made all the modifications that I can with what I have here. Ah, uh, you're... Unfortunately, um, I'm you're not just, at my... Um, are you alright? You're just, uh, you're just handing me it. See? Oh, goodness, this looks breakable. This looks very fragile. An astute observation, Dr. McCoy. It is very fragile, yes. But you have proven a capable individual, and so I trust you not to break it. Does it work well in the daytime? Can I can I try it now? I don't see why not. There again, I, I cannot really see straight anymore, if you understand my meaning. Oh, right. Mallory collapses the spyglass and sort of tucks it under their arm for a second. I need to get you food. You eat, don't you? And you need to sleep. What do you need? What can I get for you? She doesn't answer you, and it's because she's fallen asleep standing up. Oh, that's no good at all. 
and Mallory clears off enough square footage of the mattress and very gently just sort of guides Alva to the bed. You should sleep. The moment that her body is now prone, she is out like a light. Oh, Mallory takes the coconut off the shelf and sort of places it at like the foot of the bed. You'll tell me if she wakes up, right? You'll know the moment that she wakes up. Have you been reading all of this? This is fascinating. And Mallory's just like rolling around on the floor looking at all the books and papers and stuff. We should ask her about you. Perhaps not. Are you sure? I'm quite sure. I mean, Coco, if anyone's going to know anything, it might as well be her. I'll think about it. All right. Well, you and I have better things to look at anyway. Indeed we do. And Mallory is going to go outside, spyglass in hand, and what time of day is it? It's probably still very early morning. The sun has probably risen by now, but you could still see, like, the morning star. Polaris is still out. Hmm. Yeah, I think first Mallory is going to, you know, because she mentioned that some of the lenses might be upside down. Mallory's just going to calibrate by looking through at something on the horizon just to make sure everything's facing the right way. It does need some calibration, a couple of slight turns here and there, but it works pretty much like a spyglass does, where you turn it left to zoom in, turn it right to zoom out. But the other cool thing about it is that there's a little slot where the lens is so that you can take the lens out and clean it. You can then flip it and magnify it even more. So there's a three or five times zoom. Nice. All right, Coco. Everything's in order. Moment of truth. Let's see what this thing does. And they point it up to the morning star. You see the morning star. Huge. Bright. Brilliant. Four points. One, two, three, four. Picture perfect. Mallory adjusts their gaze and lets Coco look through. Coco gasps. Mallory, would you like to see? Yes, show me what you see. All right, close your eyes. All right, they're closed. Be not afraid, Mallory. And Mallory looks through Coco's eyes. You don't see one star. You see four. And each of them are the points of Polaris. And within those four points are specks of stardust that dance in between. Well, that's new. It's not one star. No, we rarely are. Does anybody else know about this? No one human, at least. Well, we must tell her. I'm afraid that she will not be able to see the constellation within Polaris. But if we, like, perhaps suggested that maybe she shouldn't be looking for, you know, a single point, but might actually find benefit in considering a cluster, surely has to help something. She's an astronomer. It's her life's work. I admire your enthusiasm, but I don't think you're hearing me on this. She won't be able to see it. Coco, we knew Neptune existed long before we ever saw it. We saw that there was orbital distortion on some of its other planets, and we knew that there had to be something there. Mallory, she won't be able to see it. Right. Right. (sighs) The deal we made allowed you to use my eyes, and so of course you can see all of my brethren up there in the sky. No other human will. You make it really hard, you know. Do I now? Yes. 
Shame that. What's the joy in knowing everything if no one even knows I know everything? Hmm. I suppose you'll just have to prove them all right, aren't you? <sighs> I guess I'll have to make an even better spyglass. Oh, certainly. This is a rather archaic version. We could make several adjustments to... Coco, this is a moment in history. My apologies. Coco, where would you have been? Where would I have been? Where were you in the sky? I need to wait until nightfall to see where I was. Only when the light has gone can you find where I am. All right. Somewhat contentedly, somewhat somberly, Mallory collapses the spyglass and tucks it away until nightfall and can get an even better view. Now, if you'll... <clears throat> Mallory? Yes? Why did you put me at the foot of the bed? Because I thought it'd be creepy if she woke up and just saw you, like, right there. Well, she's kicked me off of it. I'll be right there. I'll go. Yeah. Hold on. And as Mallory scurries back off to their lab, the camera then transitions back up to the helm, where we find Diego climbing the stairs to meet Angelica. So Diego is going to waddle his way over. He brings this piece of chalkboard that he's written a message on he went front and back like this thing is covered you have to sort of grab it by the sides it's not the note card that you're allowed to bring on your final that you've got in the tiniest font but you can tell he tried to jam a lot of words in there uh, Angelica uh, Amboise was saying that I could get the message to Liliana and I did not want to say too much uh, without going through you first. I do want her to know we are going to Numa, but if you wanted to keep that a secret, I understand, and it is a chalkboard, so it is easy to erase that part. And anything else that would be too revealing, in case it were to get into the hands of someone else at the palace. I look over the message. Liliana, my love, you know, the brothers and I are fine, yada, 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 I've been sailing on the ship. He wouldn't mention Tia... He would just talk about Angelica, the brothers were doing well, monster hunting, keeping the cover going. I think she would erase Numa just to not give anyone any trail of where we're going. But if there's space somewhere on the chalkboard, maybe where she wipes that bit away, she just writes, do not lose hope, dash. Angelica, hands it back to you, Diego. We work better when we work together. See? I would fight the whole world for Liliana. It is good to know that I don't have to. Thank you. Thank you, Captain. And she will gesture towards the helm for you to take it and to keep us on course to Numa. He'll give the nod and he'll take the wheel. She goes... Off the quarterdeck, she pops into Dalla's zone very quickly. Miss Bronson. Captain. I wanted to thank you for trusting me last night and this morning. Of course. You're my captain. And between you and me, if you ever feel the need to disobey an order, just convince me because we both know I cannot throw you over the side of this ship. You see Dala just, like, crack a little bit of a smile. Like, she can't hold it back. She's trying so hard to be serious. Absolutely, Captain. Duly noted. 
<laughs> and then big smile. <laughs> Angelica's grinning at this point. Her humor is back a little bit. Keep an eye on Mr. Barcroft until he's feeling better. Will do. So then she'll go to her quarters. Saya is sitting on the desk, one leg propped up, the other curled beneath her, staring at the book that she stole, the one with the golden apple in it. And she is eating an apple, but not the golden apple. It's a Granny Smith. Angelica does her usual close the captain's quarter door, lean against it, and just sink down to the floor. (sighs) What a day. The day hasn't even begun, Mira Simondra. It feels like it's been seven. Right you are. What are we doing, Saya? Hell if I know. We should be planning our next strike against the ATC officers Amboise marked at the party. Not running an escort mission for my uncle or chasing whispers of legends in Numa. Escort mission? The scientist, uh, Asiniega. Oh. Well, I thought Dr. McCoy was the one who brought them aboard. The Villanovas did not want her falling into ATC custody. And we certainly don't want her falling into the hands of the Inquisition. I'm not so sure I want her falling into the hands of the Villanovas either. <laughs> Lesser of two evils. Lesser of three evils, my love. <laughs> You're right. And then there's this. And she gestures to the hollowed out Bible. You really have never heard of anything like this before. Oh, I've heard many a folktale about this. Great. Another story come to life. Why do they keep showing up in our path? You tell me. You're the Fate Witch. Well, I'm trying my best. It's just... It's It's all right. I'm just teasing. Saya gets comfortable on the table, reaches behind her, and brings out a rather large tome. The cover says something in Vestim, which is totally not Swedish. And she opens it to a page she already has bookmarked. What she shows you is a two-page illustration of a brilliant tree. Gorgeous and beautiful and heavenly almost, glowing with this golden hue. Do you recognize this? It looks like the writing from Dallas Homeland, but I don't speak it. According to the culture in Vestimanavanyar, this is Yggdrasil, the world tree from which all life came. And, she gestures to the hollowed-out Bible, the world tree bears the golden apples. So the ATC is looking into legends. It makes my skin curl. Saya reaches back and retrieves a second book. This book is written in Numenari, which is totally not Greek. She opens it to a page she already has bookmarked, and you see another tree. But instead of a great oak... It's an olive tree. The boughs, again, are golden in hue. In Numenari legend, there was a Mysterios about the golden apple. Specifically, a hero stealing said gilded fruit. What do these heroes do with the apples they find? According to the Numans, this hero was meant to steal them and bring them to another god as a test. According to Vestin legend, they were gathered for Radataskir. The god who tends to Yggdrasil. But in all of the stories, it always warns not to eat them. Well, I had no plans of making a pie. <laughs> There's only one apple, Mira Samudr. It would make a very poor pie. Exactly. 
but also an incomplete challenge. Yes. I'm wondering if there's more. And if there is more, did I miss any? I am not interested in finding lost trees and golden apples. I want to get this girl home, wherever that is for her. I want to get the Inquisition off our backs and unload Miss Alciniega in Aragosta. So why go to Numa then? Because that is where the ATC are looking for legends, according to my uncle. If we find out what they are looking for and why, then we can stop them and let the legends stay legends. I am curious to know what else the child knows. It's been a few days. She's gotten comfortable with us. Maybe we can have another sit down with her. Hopefully jog her memory a bit. I don't know that I trust her around this. And her finger rests on the closed book containing the apple. What other choice do we have? Well, there is a doctor aboard this ship who claims to know everything. And I have yet to make up with them. Oh, I'm sure the doctor has many choice words about the Vatacine. She closes the hollowed-out Bible and slides it over to you. I'm sure they'd love to get their hands on this book. And not for the purposes of reading it. <coughs> Angelica will lean over, kiss Sai on the cheek. Keep an eye on the horizon for me, mi amor. The doctor and I will do some reading tonight. Make sure you have a light. You know what reading in the dark does to you. I know. I can be such a bitch sometimes. <laughs> she opens her mouth to say something, decides against it, and puts the apple in there instead. I'll take the hollowed out book and the two books over to the doctor's lab. Uh, who is it? It's the captain. Uh, come in, Captain. Doctor. It's still a mess in here, and Mallory is currently going over all of Alvaro's notes. Uh, they're, like, on their hands and knees on the ground, just, like, moving through stuff, and Alvaro's just asleep on the bed. Hello. Watch your step. Coco is sitting right next to Mallory. <laughs> One of the claws has, like, a couple of pieces of paper in it. <laughs> Doctor, if you have a moment to step away from all this, I have some very important things to show you. All right. Uh, yes, yes, I, I can step away. And she hands you the uh, hollowed-up Bible. Mallory drops it. Ugh. No, shit! <laughs> she tosses the books. I'm spending <laughs> a danger point! <laughs> Drop the Bible. You think it's going to make a really loud thud because of how thick it is. It doesn't. It bounces open and out pops a golden apple and it rolls and it stops at a bare foot and a silver hand picks it up. Fuck. Tia has the golden apple. Oh, we're supposed to be watching her. Yeah, there's supposed to be two Iglesias brothers out there. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Danger point. <laughs> We we cut over really quickly to Alejandro and Enrique, and they're like, all right, and so this is how you tie a sailor's knot. It's one over here, two over here, and then like this. See? Where did she go? <laughs> <laughs> she was right there a second ago. I literally blinked and she's gone. <laughs> Angelica. I Angelica ignores you and rushes over to Tia. Mallory starts to rush over as well and then stops six feet from her. Miss Tia, 
Thank you. That is a very important item. And Angelica will hold her hand out. Where did you get this? It was a gift from the party. Lies. Tell me the truth. Where did you get it? Ooh, Angelica's face darkens. From the party. We took it. From who? We did not check who owned it. We simply took it for ourselves. What do you know about it, Tia? She looks down at the apple, looks back up at you, and takes one step backwards. Tia, you made me a promise. I am keeping my promise. I'm keeping you safe. What is that thing? Something you should not have. Don't trust your captain. I don't want it. I want to know why the ATC might have had it. The same reason I want to know why they had you. What do you remember, Tia? I... I... Tia's free hand rises to cover her forehead as though she is suffering from a headache. Mallory, you hear in your head... Get that apple. Go against our previous bargain? Yes, now. Fine. No, Mallory just grabs one of the nets from the ceiling, the books all in it just like topple down onto the ground, and they just launch the net at Tia. Dala, this is all happening outside of the infirmary. You hear the commotion, you hear the raised voices, you hear the tonal shift, and you peek your head outside of your door to catch the net in midair about to fall on Tia. Tia appears to be struggling with something as the pain seems to be getting worse, but finally her eyes open wide and there are no pupils. They are just pure silver. She looks up at the net, moves the hand away from her face, and snaps her fingers. And I'm spending three danger points. Dala, Mallory, and Angelica. You are all of a sudden drawn up to stand on your feet as though you were a marionette, and she your puppeteer. The net does not catch Tia. It lands on some sort of invisible barrier that is in front of her and slides to the floor. Angelica, you look at Tia's hand. Her first three fingers are holding your fate threads. Mm -hmm. You know not what you tamper with. You know not what you've stolen. Tia, release us. No, we cannot trust you to know what is best. Then tell us. Her head doesn't tilt, but her eyes flick over. And she's not staring at your eyes, Mallory. Oh, I hate you. I would, but you know everything, don't you, dreamer? You hear Coco grunting. There's a stare down happening. Mallory, I... Can't keep her attention for too much longer. What the fuck is this kid? Fucking terrifying is what she is. Has Angelica ever had her thread grabbed like this before? Not like this, no. <sighs> okay. But she still has no threads around her. She still has no threads around her. That's fucking terrifying. This creepy kid is threatening my crew and I'm not having it. Dala wants to tackle the child and get the apple out of her hand. <laughs> Not hitting! <laughs> Come from the side and break this tension and eye contact and whatever's going on. 
scoop her and twist her out of this situation and hopefully toss the apple back towards her captain. You go to scoop and there's this invisible force field of air and it stings. It's like smacking the water when the water is still. Did it feel like the protective bubble is like completely encompassing her? Is it like a wall facing forward? It's like a wall facing forward. And now she's looking at you. Damn it. And what of you, shield maiden? Dull just like grits her teeth and tries not to look her in the eyes. She's thoroughly creeped out. She's like trying to not engage with her. Angelica just shouts, Casadores, two arms, on the captain. You hear all sorts of noises as one, two, three, and then eventually four, they come up behind and I'm spending another evening point. Where are these danger points coming from? I get them every time we play. (laughs) Is there one for each of us? Is that how it works? There's one for each of you. Oh, shit. (laughs) And you get a danger point. And you get a danger point. point. Everybody gets a danger point. Oh, but you're bleeding me and I love it. Tia turns to look and then yanks downwards. I assume we all eat the deck. No, you all straighten up. Ooh. Okay. If I distract her, do you have the strength to get the apple from her hand? Who's Mallory talking to? None of you. Oh, got it. (laughs) I can, but if she touches me, it will cost me. No, I'm not going to have you do that. Perhaps we could make a deal. Another one? Right now? No, not you and I. No, Mallory, don't. Tia. Tia's eyes flick up. She still has her hand down, holding your strings. Fuck it, let's do it. Tia, if you drop the apple, I'll take you to the door. Her eyes light up. The door? Oh, fuck. If you release us and drop the apple, I'll take you to the door. We need to know. And she drops the apple. It lands heavy on the deck. Mallory, I need you to mark a dramatic wound. Yowza. But not for you. No! The boy! No! Mallory, you feel something cold like ice roll down your cheek. And anyone looking at Mallory right now will see a silver tear streak down their face. Dala noticed the silver tear coming down Mallory's cheek and completely misinterpreted as Tia was like doing something to them and like harming them. It was like, oh, fuck no. And that's what fuels her tackling this fucking child. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Oh, queen. I love that. Yep. Take a hero point. Tia smacks her head on the floor and is knocked the fuck out. Dala only feels a tiny bit bad. Just a teeny (laughs) tiny bit. Both of the threads get released. Angelica goes for the apple. Doctor, there is something else that you notice. Mm -hmm. The hand that she was holding the fate threads with The silver has retracted from the three fingers. Oh, no. Oh. Captain, how does she look? How does she look to you? I check her with the sight. She has three familiar fate threads. Okay. What happened to ours? You still have yours. Okay. If I look at our threads, do they look intact? Mostly. But you can see one of your threads is frayed, like a piece was torn from it. Oh, fuck that. 
She is not fucking doing that to us again. Is there somewhere we can put her? She immediately looks to Dala. Get off of her. As soon as the kid was knocked out, Dala kind of like scrambles up off of her. She just starts barking orders to the Iglesias brothers and any other deckhands that came down and reported when she called for help. Yep. Gloves, now. Lock her in one of the officer's quarters. Doctor. Yes. Reassemble the manacles. Right, yes. Mallory, point of note. Did you disable the needles and the poison? Oh, we never tested what the poison was. No, we never did. Captain, do you want the poison in there or not? If it's good enough for the ATC, frankly, I don't really want to be like them, but... The poison goes in. Mallory puts half the amount of poison in. They gotta save some to test. <laughs> they put half of the poison in one manacle, the one with that's still all silver. There you go. The camera cuts really quick ahead in time where the Iglesias brothers, all wearing long sleeves and gloves, place the child down on a bed. I want a cannonball chained to her leg, too. Ooh. She's not fucking leaving that room. <laughs> Give her the ankle weights. Yep. Once the door is firmly shut, locked, dead bolted, she puts the Iglesias brothers on 24-hour watch on that door and then turns to everyone else. Officers meeting my quarters now. Yes, Captain. I break her out of an ATC ship for you to put her right back in manacles. Diego, you did not see what we saw. Or feel it. She can grab threads. Worse than any fate which I have ever seen. What did you do to provoke her? She held this for two seconds and became a different person. And she thrust the golden apple into Diego's face. If you don't like it, throw it overboard. Angelica will toss the apple to the doctor. <laughs> what do you make of that? Well, that's a bit of a broad question. Golden apples and golden or sacred fruit in general have had all sorts of roles in the course of humankind. They're obviously exceedingly rare, and most mythical understandings of them say they come from trees with the deepest, oldest connections to the earth. Connections that have existed since her creation. But I'd be rather bold to connect any golden fruit with the stuff of legend without, well, without testing it first. Perhaps Mallory could let someone... More educated speak on the subject. Are you referring to your boy? Yeah. Does he have the string? He does. He opens one eye. The other one's kind of closed shut right now. And Mallory just murmurs really quiet. All right, um, what am I looking at? Any relation to the most famous one we know? Oh, Dr. Mine. What you hold in your hand is similar, if not identical, to the one that was given to Eve. Can I try some? Well, I won't deny you, but are you sure you want to do that in front of everyone right now? Okay, fine, I'll wait. Mallory looks back up at Angelica. All right, well, if you found these in a Bible, I suppose I should deign to give some clarification on their theological significance. The first of these in our history appeared as a gift. From the first Davi to the first Loshaya- Hush, Mallory. You're in mixed company. Even among fellow heretics, Eve's pact is not knowledge you want to wantonly spread around. <sighs> Fine. Mallory kind of shakes their head a bit before anyone can get an idea of what they were about to say. These were the same apples found in Elysium, or Eden, Paradise. 
The same ones that shattered paradise and cast humans down to the earth. Ideally, they carry some secret knowledge of some kind. I don't care what that thing said. We are taking this back to where it came from. And hopefully we will be rid of her. If I look at the apple, is there 11 threads coming off of it? No. There are 13. Ah. You. Where do they all go? They all lead to different nations. Of course they do. One to Castile, one to Montaigne, Vodachi, Aizen, the Sarmatian Commonwealth, Avalon, Innismore, the Highland Marches, Vestimanavanyar, Usura. There's one to Labuka, even as far as Aragosta, and the thickest, vine-like thread leads to Numa. Captain, um, what are you going to do about this? And Mallory holds up the apple. I mean, we can throw the girl wherever we see fit, but you can't just toss this around. I mean, I suppose you can't toss her around either, but what's your plan for this? Can I study it? Oh, she gives you a very suspicious look. No, Doctor. You've given me everything I need. She holds a hand out to take it back. Mallory sort of cups it in both hands. You see Angelica's fingers twitching like she's wrapping something around them. Doctor. I thought I'd have the freedom to do my work aboard this vessel. You have the freedom to do work of an earthly nature. I am not in the business of unearthing ancient gods. That is the purview of our enemy the people we are trying to stop. Don't you ever compare me to them. Then don't act like them. Give me the apple, Mallory. They sort of rotate it in their hands, and they're going to try to sort of take the nail of their thumb and just carve off a sliver of the stem. You feel your back being pat a couple times, Mallory. By what manner of hand (laughs) is Mallory's back being pat with? A leather-bound hand. Not the clink, clink, clink. No, he didn't need it for an officer's meeting. Oh, sure, sure, sure. It's friendly, but the captain gave an order, bud. Mallory hands it back, untampered with. She slams it into the book and hands it to Saya. Saya takes it. Lock this in our vault. And goes to lock it away. (sighs) Amboise. Mm. She would have traded anything to get at your door. Why do you think this is? I wish I could say, but... She is not of this way. I don't know about Amblas, but Angelica looks at the doctor like, What? Excuse me? Perhaps she's trying to get back to hers. I will say one thing, and I thoroughly apologize. But I will cut her hands from her arms before I let her touch that door. She's glancing at everyone's threats constantly. Around Mallory, you know how there's the Tesla lightning coils? Mm-hmm. There's this weird tendril of stardust that is woven into the lightning. And at some points, it looks like liquid smoke that flares out on its own. And it's not a thread. It's nothing that you can grasp. It's literally smoke. And you notice... Everybody but Mallory has a thread 
that has been plucked. And that resonance leads to Tia. Yeah, but Mallory hasn't touched her. Exactly. Hmm. Whatever cruel joke of the fates put this girl in our path, we are all bound to her now. I would like not to be as soon as possible, but we cannot escape it. Except for you. She looks at Mallory. Doctor, why is your thread covered in smoke? What are you hiding from us? Oh, well, that's, um... No, don't rope me into this. Your captain needs to be focusing on the actual threat on board. Fine, fine. I am no fate witch captain, I cannot possibly tell you. What's the smoke doing? Existing. It just is contained to Mallory, though? It's not going off anywhere? No, it's not going off anywhere. It's like a candle freshly blown out, always. I did not touch the girl at any point. Not directly, at least. Nor should you. She hasn't said anything up to this point, but if it's clear that this topic has kind of ended on a weird, uncomfortable note, she'll kind of take a little step forward and describe her dream. And she'll pull out her notebook. And Dala will read to them the poem that she wrote down. Bright Athuna, made eternal, in Yggdrasil's garden vernal. In her casket, the richest store, O sweetest apples, gilded ore, A single bite to unripe lore. Oh, okay. Buddy, you gotta let me bite that apple. (sighs) Goddamn. And describes the whole dream with the tree, which I imagine most of them would be fairly familiar with. And then she clutches her notebook closer to her chest and shrugs kind of nervous, looking to everyone else. I've never had a dream like that before. What do you all think it means? I mean, I could tell you more about the Garden of Adam and Eve for all of its narrative parallels here. But, you know, a single bite to unripe lore, that that is what happened, is it not? I look to Saya and point at the word Ithuna. She looked like she knows that name. Syed grabs the Numa book and looks at it, and it says Athena instead of Ithuna. They're all the same. Made eternal. But who's the made eternal? And Mallory, you hear slight laughter in your head. <laughs> Something to add? Made eternal is none other than Terra. Fascinating. Mallory, you're doing nothing again. Well, no, um, Maid Eternal, I do believe they're just talking about Terra, the Earth herself. And where is the Earth casket? That I don't know. I think we have to find the tree first. We are on that heading. If I can trust these, she just plucks at an invisible something in the air leading on the course we're all headed down. I mean, it's a world tree. If we go anywhere, we'll find some part of it. I need to be very frank with everyone here. We are not the group who should be doing this. And if we want to get out of this alive, to reunite with family, she looks at Diego, to finish our missions, she looks at Saya and Amboise, and to uncover safer secrets, is very direct eye contact to Mallory. 
out direct. You can't see those eyes. <laughs> <laughs> then we cannot keep things from each other. If anyone comes up with an idea, a solution, a solve to this riddle, bring it up immediately. No one is to go near Tia except to bring her a meal. Do not speak to her. Do not entertain her cries. Do not let the veil she is wearing deceive you. She is right. She cannot trust us because we cannot trust her. <sighs> and she like collapses into a big chair. That is all. You are dismissed. The camera focuses on the apple and follows that thread. And at first the thread isn't moving. It's just a, a straightaway and we go over the ocean. Faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. Until we catch up with the vibration. We follow it to the land. We follow it to past the beach. We follow it into a mountain. We follow it into a cave. We follow it past the cave. And we follow it to a lone, small, golden tree where a grave has been unearthed. I thought it was metaphorical. I thought there was going to be like a... Oh, no, 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 no. This is her no. casket. It can be both. Oh, shit. It can always be both. Okay, no los dos. Sounds pretty literal to me. <laughs> <sighs> empty what you gotta empty. Refill what you gotta refill. And take a breather while we tell you about our sponsors. The Crafty Gamer is proud to sponsor The Writer's Room. Are you looking to take your TTRPG experience to the next level? Let the Crafty Gamer take your senses on a new journey with aromas of adventure. Designed to enhance immersion through scent, each of their soy-based candles is hand-poured with care, and with a myriad of different aromas, they are sure to have one most befitting the setting of your game. If you're in the market for aromas of adventure and other tabletop-inspired merchandise, Visit thecraftygamer.com and use the code WRITERSROOM in all caps for 10% off your next purchase. The Writer's Room is also sponsored by Ten Quills Dice. Are you tired of handpicking your D10s out of your standard sets of seven? So was I. Handcrafted by me, the narrator, I specialize in custom sets of D10s and work with you every step of the way to help you narrate the game in your life. If you fancy a set for yourself, you can find me anywhere on social media at 10quillsdice and at 10quillsdice.com. The Writer's Room is also sponsored by Many Worlds Tavern. Many Worlds Tavern is an online coffee company that provides coffee for your game night and tea for your tabletop. I'll get to my personal favorites in a moment, but first I need to tell you about their flagship product, Treasured Realm. On the first of every month, Many Worlds releases a limited edition batch, of which only a thousand bags are available. And every order comes with a numbered card, a limited edition sticker, a D&D 5e magic item, and a set of dice. As I'm sure you know, we enjoy tea here, and Sage's Gate is possibly one of my favorites right now. It's a lovely little botanical featuring mint, sage, and lavender. To get some for yourself, visit ManyWorldsTavern.com and the first 100 friends to use the code WRITERS10 in all caps at checkout will receive 10% off your next order. And what's better is that Mini Worlds gives back to the community. So $1 of each bag purchased is donated to a gaming-related nonprofit. 
We'd also like to take a moment to shout out our Kofi officers. If you would like to join the ranks of these fine folks, as well as the narrator in the writer's room at the top of each episode, sign up to be a part of the Kofi crew using the link provided. We here at the writer's room support real art by real people in all of their creatively expressive forms. For those of you who are members of our Discord and active on our socials, you may have seen all the incredible illustrations made by the lovely and talented Emery Chelsberg. If you'd like to own some official Fate of the Thorn masterpieces, head over to his gallery using the link provided and know that 100% of the proceeds will go directly to him. And keep a weather eye out for more gorgeous art as we continue to sail along. Thank you for taking this break with us. Remember that you can find all the links to our sponsors, as well as their respective discount codes, in the description of this episode. Now, let's get back to the story. Who's on kitchen duty? If y'all want to roll a single d10, if you win, you get to cook. I want the highest number. I get a one. I'm not cooking. I get a two. (laughs) You're not cooking either. Diego Amboise, what do you got? Five. Five? All right. Here's the thing. Amboise can't cook at all. The crew never lets him cook because his taste buds seem incredibly broken for some reason. So Oh, he hmm. goes to walk in the kitchen. Everyone's like, no, no, no. You're not on kitchen duty. Get out. <laughs> You're constantly on cleaning duty. Wesley rolled a five. Gabriella rolled a three. Kieran rolled a one. Sire rolled a seven. Mallory. Mallory rolled an eight. Oh, boy! I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I mean, here's the thing about Mallory cooking. Whatever it is, it's gonna be burnt. Coco once told Mallory about the germ theory of disease, and Mallory could have sworn that he was lying, because that seems a little little wild, don't you think? But, uh, nothing Coco's told them so far has ever turned out wrong, so can't be too careful. Mallory, what's on the menu today? Let me tell you about the kitchen prep first. This is important. First thing Mallory does is distill about a liter of pure alcohol, run it over the table, and briefly set it on fire. (laughs) Take that, germs, whatever you are. Yeah, over the cutting boards, over everything. And then pour some water over it, make sure it doesn't, you know, catch the whole place on fire. And now, now we can begin cooking. And it's probably going to be shepherd's pie, but the carrots are overcooked, the peas are overcooked, the meat is overcooked, and the whole thing is a little bit burnt. That's a very Avalonian dish. Just like a burnt crust on the bottom where it's all stuck to the pan because it's just so overcooked. (laughs) Yeah. Crispy top, though. The meal you are presented with does uh, more closely resemble charcoal than anything edible. However, Mallory is also a scientist at heart, so they have been nursing like a sourdough starter for some time. Alongside the shepherd's pie, there is also a surprisingly nice sourdough bread. And if there's any butter rations available, then you can have a, a nice bit of bread and butter. I fucking love all of it. I just imagine Mallory grabbing random shit, some beakers full of, like, pickled, weird, strange things that may have resembled a cucumber at one point in time, but definitely (laughs) isn't anymore. Chopping it up, putting it in. 
Remind me again. What is it you're making? This is a Felix McCoy family specialty. Ah, that explains why I can't find a recipe. I will say the cooking for the shepherd's pie is a little bit more haphazard. The baking, they've got their scales out. Everything is measured by weight, not volume. Because it's a science. I love it. There's a very early, like, mercury thermometer to make sure the temperature is precise on everything. They've got special bellows for the oven to make sure the fire is the right size. I fucking love it. It's such a weird, rustic form of micro-gastronomy you're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I like the idea that all of that scientific baking is happening while the shepherd's pie is just lightly catching on fire nearby, <laughs> just ignoring it. Oh my god. While like perfectly sprinkling out the exact <laughs> amount of flour. No, that's exactly it. Thank you, Brittany. But the pastry on the shepherd's pie is fucking spot on. When you get rid of the charred burnt bit, yes. <laughs> scrape off all the ashes. So that's what's for lunch, everybody. Enrique, pass the hot sauce. This is gonna need it. <laughs> I don't know, you should give him a chance. I mean, that bread is amazing. This tastes fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at the char on these tomates. I'm trying to get rid of the char. I've been eating char taste like three nights this week. It's because Mallory's on kitchen duty for three nights. That's how it works. Oh, believe me, I know. I'll pass that hot sauce over here when you're done with it. Puts like a small little dab into his bowl and hands it to you. What do you think, another five minutes? Some of it still looks raw. Do remember that residual heat will still cook the inside. Well, I've been getting too used to this hot sauce. We need to pick up some more in the next port. We need something a little bit spicier. They have the peppers of the ghost. You hear that, Mallory? We're going to need more spice. <laughs> My sight may be obscured, but my hearing is still quite adept. You'll all be thanking me when you're not getting norovirus in the next three days. I have not met Nora, but... Uh... Good. And with my cooking, you never will. Look, we prefer some food that has some kick in it, and... I mean, shepherd's pie is just not a spicy meal. I'm sure you understand. There's nothing wrong. It's just the food you chose isn't what we're used to. <laughs> it's not you. It's just every decision you made. <laughs> <laughs> Diego, give me three nights and I will engineer the hottest, spiciest pepper you could ever lay your taste buds upon. You see Diego's mouth visibly watering and is like almost about to drool and he catches himself. <laughs> Wesley devours his, just fucking shovels it in his mouth, picks up another plate, actually picks up two plates and walks over to the captain. Hi, Captain. Good morning. Uh, afternoon. Uh, daytime. Hi. Mr. Wesley. I'm going to be bringing this one over to Ollie, our good friend Oliver. He's still in his bunk. And uh, I'm going to be bringing this one to young lady there. The, the lass. Hi. She will eye to Iglesias brothers and give them a nod to accompany Wesley. Make sure that Mr. Barcroft eats. Do not dawdle outside our other guests' quarters. Okay, then I'll visit the little girl first and then end up with Oliver. And I'll give you a full report when I come back. I will be counting on it. Thank you, Mr. Wesley. And he titters off with El Tigre and Alejandro at his heels. Is Saya here at lunch with us? Kieran is. Angelica's going to take a bite of the shepherd's pie, slide hers in front of Kieran, and just grab like two limes out of a bowl on the front of the table and then walk up onto the deck to talk to Kieran. <laughs> Do you not want yours? 
No, that's quite all right. You enjoy it, darling. I don't know what she's talking about. Mal, this is delicious. Thank you. It seems only the NPCs seem to like my food. Hi, <laughs> right, that tastes good. I told you it tastes good. Oh. See? And Bart knows what good food is. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the uh, the Morales siblings who don't like it. <laughs> oh, they're too good for it. That fine Castilian palate. It's not Caroline's cooking, so... Enjoy your food poisoning, <laughs> Morales siblings. <laughs> <laughs> so Angelica specifically leaves Mallory down on kitchen duty and comes up to her beloved and says, How's she handling? You know, I was extremely skeptical when Kieran brought up this contraption for the helm. He and Mallory worked together to make this work. It is always attached to Magnetic North or whatever point you set it at. And so when the compass turns, the helm turns, which then turns the rudder, which then makes the ship go. So we have autopilot. <laughs> but now that I see it in action and now that I've used it, it's actually quite useful. He has a talent for removing the work from work. He does. It's part of the reason I love him so much. <laughs> Me too. Angelica will hand Saya a lime and sort of like tap another one against it as like a little cheers. <laughs> <laughs> she does peel hers like an orange <laughs> and take out little segments and eat them. I wanted to talk to you about something I saw at the officers' meeting. Well, my dear, you have my full undivided attention. Barring we don't run across a reef. She gestures out into open, empty ocean. There's something off about the doctor. I thought there was always something off about the doctor. Could you specify? They have two distinct threads connected to them. And one of them is not like anything I've ever seen coming off a person. How do you mean? It's cloudy. It's like a tendril of smoke. It seems to act of its own accord, and it just doesn't feel like Mallory to me. Hmm. That does skew rather odd. I don't want to push them. We've already had enough lectures today and probably for the week, but just keep your eyes on them. Where we're going, we can't have anything unexpected cropping up. Agreed. We may already be sailing directly into a hornet's nest, let alone we're entering Newman waters, where Thaeans are not particularly welcomed with open arms. If I read Saya, what does her thread look like? I was hoping you were going to ask. As you're reading your beloved wife, her thread is like a thick cotton, so it's like two strands that are twisted together, and then both of those strands are twisted together to make one thick bit of yarn, almost. One of those strands is, let's just say, whatever Saya's favorite color is. Um, like a warm orange? Like a burnt caramel, almost. And then the other strand is made of this light? It's really difficult to discern, but it is literally an illuminated thread. It's not white, per se, 
but it's like a weird golden color that blends pretty much seamlessly into the auburn. It's very, very faint, almost giving it like a halo effect. Would it be like a fiber optic cable if someone from our time was looking at it a little bit? Ooh, yeah. It's like a glowing thread, but it's not on its own like Mallory's is. It is intertwined with hers to the point where if you were to try to remove it, it would actually damage the other thread. Right. Yeah, she like takes the like seeds of her lime, chucks them over the side rail and just kind of sighs watching the thread from the golden apple as it shoots ahead on our course. She'll idly reach up with a finger and just run her you know, tip of her index finger along it and take it off. When you touch it, you get a brief ocular pain. Mm. Get a brief flash of these blue and yellow shadows. The sound of muffled metal against dirt. The sound of unearthing. And then that's it. That's all you get. Do I get flashes like that when I touch people's threads? When you touch people's threads, you can sometimes get brief flashback images of important, very crucial times in their life. Traumatic events, mostly, or really fortuitous events. I'll go ahead and venture to say that you touched Kieran's thread and you got an image of when he became a Mobu master. And that was a big, important thing in his life that shaped the course of him. She looks at Saya. Tonight or tomorrow, we should talk to them. We? As in both of us? I don't want to corner them alone again. And I'd like it if you were there. That's understandable. She reaches out and gives Saya's hand a little squeeze. Por favor, Missiello. All right. I'll be your emotional support, you secret softy. But I suggest that we talk to them in their space, since it will be both of us, and I don't want them to feel like we're cornering them. Well, they will also have Miss Alcinega with them, so I can call it a double date. They do make a cute couple, don't, don't they? they? It's so nice. <laughs> they just talk to themselves all the time. It's nice to see them actually conversing with someone for once. Well, they're always conversing with someone. They're talking to Coco. Coco's a real person, remember what you told me earlier? About how we treat the coconut around Mallory? Yes, we do. For their mental stability, that's what Dala said would be a good idea. (laughs) Camera pans away. I fucking love that Dala approached everyone and was like, Guys, listen, I know it sounds weird, but you have to be nice to the coconut. We're going to have to ask what the coconut wants to be known as, what their pronouns are. So much are. was just canonized in the last <laughs> 10 seconds, and I love it. They were alone on an island for eight months. The coconut to them is just as real as we are. And if anyone tries to disagree, Dala gives them a firm thump on the back of the head. And by firm thump, it is literally like a <laughs> you can knock someone out. Ah, yes, a concussion. <laughs> <laughs> We don't have a swear jar. We have a, a concussion bed. <laughs> <laughs> concussion bed. <laughs> I love it. 
I love this. Thank you so much. You're, You're welcome. welcome. <laughs> so while Mallory is working in their workshop, you hear the, the knock at the door. Uh, can you hold on just a, a little moment and hear the sound of, like, things scraping on the table? Uh, Miss Asiniega, could you hold this solution for me? Oh, of, of course, yes. All right, it's, um, it's safe to come in. The smell of gunpowder and smoke just, like, wafts from the, from the interior. And Diego opens the door and walks with a very noticeable straight leg limp into the room, which, like, wasn't where he was stabbed, so... And he closes the door behind him. Uh, I'm sorry, um... What can I do for you? He reaches into his pant leg and begins to pull out... This is very forward of you. It's not... Relax. <laughs> he pulls a rapier out, and... Mallory recognizes this rapier as Alejandro's. Uh, listen, Mallory, it is Alejandro's birthday coming up, and when we were on the ATC ship, he noticed that someone had a rapier that, you know how it has the cage around the hand? There were little points in it, and he really liked that. So I was wondering if you could do a little bit of metalworking in it to get some points so it's a little sharp. That way when he punches someone, it's a little bit extra. Um, yes, I should have some metalworking tools that could make that happen. Certainly, uh, yes. You had the class or whatever. Hold on to the sword for me. You'll see what I mean. I don't want it to be too heavy. Uh, yeah, no, uh, of course. Right, um, academy. Yeah, right. Mallory very awkwardly takes the rapier. With Diego, you might notice completely the wrong grip for taking a rapier. Oh, watch where you're, uh, careful, uh. <laughs> it just, like, it slices off, like, a corner of your mustache. <laughs> I'm so sorry, it's, uh, longer than I was expecting, as you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! Yeah, yes, we, we all know about Alejandro. Look. <laughs> Did you, well, I now do. What? His rapier is a little bit longer than extra, so he's got a little bit extra weight in the handle to counterbalance it. All right. But um, you're still gripping it wrong. Look at what your fingers are doing. So, so you have to put it in. It's got the curve I in there for your fingers. I know how to rip fingers. a rapier. I'm not, I'm not stupid. Look Diego directly in the face. It's like that little corner of hair isn't there anymore, and he just gives you the really look. Yes, of course I do. I, I know everything. It's not hard, is it? It's just a sword. And they've got this, like, closed fist grip on it. No separation of, like, you know, the fingers to provide stability. Just, like, a fully clunky fist. Diego, is there anything else you want? Or are you just here to berate me? Diego slides off his leather glove and very gently takes the rapier from you and slides the fingers into the proper rapier grip. I am not berating you for not understanding. I want to make sure that you can defend yourself. For a moment, they look very carefully at the change in grip, and then their face gets defensive again. Is this just because I got captured? Because I got out, you know, it's not, it's not like I can't get out of trouble if I need to. Look, I don't expect everyone to 
learn every tool and every trade on the ship. But if you could at least get good at daggers or something, I don't care what style you want to learn, either myself or my brothers can help you, but guns get wet. Is it that obvious that I don't know what I'm doing? Well, I assume that your hours spent in this room are any gestures around working on your various things. I assume you don't have some secret training regimen that you aren't sharing with the rest of us. And when you aren't running drills with my Marines and I, I mean, even if you did learn things long ago, practice doesn't hurt. Just don't get rusty, my friend. If, um, if we do practice, I don't suppose it could just be you and I. Below deck or something where the others won't see me. I, I, um, what the, the truth is, Diego, I, I never actually did take a fencing class in, in the academy. I got Professor Barcroft to lie for me on my transcripts so I could go attend classes that were actually useful. But, um, I mean, useful for me. So I really don't know a damn thing about swordplay, and I don't want Captain Angelica to see me fumbling around with a knife. I feel like she's losing faith in me in general, and I don't want her to see me um, just, you know, falling upon my own sword, basically. Uh, you're asking the right person, my friend, because I learned the art of Hogo de Dentro in the tight prison cells of Fort Freedom. So if anyone can teach you close quarters combat without people finding out, it is I, Diego Alfonso Morales Iglesias. How else do you think I became known as El Nitido? For those listening, all of us are fist bumping in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Again, their expression is always a little hard to read, but for a moment their mouth twitches into that same manic grin that they sometimes get when they've discovered something new. And all right, that sounds like it could be quite intellectually stimulating. Give me a time and, uh, and I'll be there. Excellent. Meet in the armory. That way we can say we're doing some maintenance and we can find you a weapon that is more your style. Not everyone can handle something of Alejandro's size, you know. Yeah, it takes um takes a lot of stamina. <clears throat> I'm oh hi Miss Altiniega, <laughs> of course. Um, you're welcome to join us. <laughs> if you two are done flirting and hyping up this Alejandro, whom I'd very much like to meet. Listen, he's not that great. I don't know. You're just saying. She like <laughs> looks at the rapiers. Looks at her <laughs> eyes follow down the points like the, the anime like, dot 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 line that leads to the rapier. The rapier gets like illuminated. <laughs> <laughs> Alvara's nose is bleeding a little bit after that conversation. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to inconvenience him. I guess. Uh, Anyway, how long do you want me to hold this? <laughs> oh, um, I can take that back. Hands <laughs> it, whatever it is, back to you. Just a vial of bubbling liquid. There's just a slight little uh, coloring of red on her uh, bronze little cheeks. <laughs> okay, uh, I will let you collect some scraps. We can meet up in the armory later. Let me just adjust this sword in my pants a little bit. <clears throat> 
Barbara takes off her glasses, folds them very nicely, tucks them on her shirt. I'm going to go take a walk. <laughs> <laughs> and leaves the lab. Thank you. Thank you, Durs. Thank you for that. Not where I expected the conversation to go, but um, we've made it. We're here. We've landed. We're here now. Amboise, what are you doing? After he finishes eating, Amboise is going to quickly go to his quarters, essentially, grab that book that he had found earlier. And he is going to be flipping through the pages when he just happens to come across Diego. He was trying to make it back to the armory nonchalantly. Monsieur Diego, do you need some help? Oh, this is a... uh... Diego sort of like leaning against the wall and like trying to make his leg standing completely <laughs> still look natural. <laughs> a leg cramp. It is nothing to worry about. I took a quick dip after the meal and it you can't do that. Diego, that is not the question that I asked. Do you need some help? Yes, and you are the only one who can help me, Amboise. And Dick goes into his little bag and pulls out the chalkboard. I need to get this message to Liliana. I've cleared it with the captain, so it should be safe to send. All right. If you believe it is exactly what you want to send to her, then it will be sent. Just so you know, it is going to take a little bit of time. In the interim, if you could do me a favor. Of course. Name it, and it is yours. I found this book. Now, when it comes to Livras, I am reasonably well-read. But this one baffles me a bit. And I was hoping that I could get your opinion on some of it. I mean, I can speak Castilian. Uh, Captain knows a little bit. I mean, if you can get that book to Liliana, she speaks a lot of languages. That's why she's working with the king. If you get that book to her, I'm sure she could translate it for you. Diego, I need more than just language. I need perspective, insight. What is this book about? To best describe it, there are whispers and rumors among various nations about exceptionally good weaponry. Things that are, I would say at a certain level, fables. Diego grabs the book from your hand. (laughs) (laughs) Careful. I only have the one. It is knowledge that normally is not in the common man's hand. And if possible, I would like your perspective on it. Are you amiable to that? Of course, it would be my honor. Oh, this is incredible. Oh, and there's pictures, thank goodness. <laughs> mm, not very well written or drawn. That is fine. Once I start messing around with some of the positions and the stances, I'm sure the rest will fall into place. Mm. Oh, uh, be careful of the thing on page 12. It's weird. It's the best way I can describe it. I would need to do a lot of stretching before I attempted that. (laughs) The only word on there I could translate was soup. (laughs) Do with that what you will. Interesting. Well, people come up with all sorts of fun names for their moves and their stances, you know. Lots of animal names, so I'm, I'm sure soup is probably just... They want to turn their enemies to soup. I don't know. I will, I will take a look and I will let you know what I find. And I shall take this. Then he takes the chalkboard. I cannot tell you what this means to me, Amboise. You technically just did. You have multiple times. Okay. Well, if you ever need anything, and 
it can be a lot more than helping you read the book. You just let me know, okay? Honestly, Diego, you may regret that one day. Ooh. But for now, I need to go and get the captain's permission to go off ship. I don't know how long our trip to Numa is going to take, and I'm really going on luck to see if this is going to work out properly. Well, then really want this message to go through, but don't be too risky, okay? <laughs> Diego, when have I ever taken a risk? I mean, it, that depends on who's keeping score, I think. Okay, in Dollar's book, when have I ever taken a risk? <laughs> okay, okay, you can't just bring Dollar's book into it like that. The medical records do not lie. Dala keeps track of emotional damage in her medical records. Of course she does. She's a doctor. I fucking love that. Beautiful. Diego's reading and walking and treating this book with the utmost care. This is the first passage in that book. In the war waged by the third prophet, paladins and knights of the faith helped champion his beliefs. They traveled to the nations outside of Castile, bringing with them his word. One of these paladins, called Akil, made his way to Montaigne, where he united the people and established the Vatican religion in the region for the first time. The people stood in awe as he fought back those that would harm the new followers of the religion, doing successful battle even with those who wielded magic against him. To the populace, it was nothing short of a miracle to witness him win battles against impossible odds, and many converted on the promise of similar divine protection. After his death, his followers buried Akil in the catacombs of the Grand Cathedral. His sword, claimed by the church, sat on display for many years, until the emperor banned the religion in Montaigne. Since then, the sword has vanished. But scholars maintain that it still exists and will surface again to bring about another religious revolution, especially in Montaigne, where the nobility vehemently opposes the Vatican religion. The legend goes that the sword ignites into brilliant white flame in the hands of the truly faithful and ensures victory and good fortune to spread the word of Theus and reclaim the lost heretic lands. And when you look up from reading, finally, you notice that all four of the brothers are around you, either over your shoulder or around your side, trying to figure out what it is that you're reading. Fine. Here you go, Enrique. You can look at the book yourself. I thought you were enraptured in another letter from Liliana. No, it was about the Drakenizen. Drakenizen. Felix would complain about the practice weapons we would use when he was training me in Panzerhand. He would tell me about the metals from all over the world. Alejandro leads in, then. What makes Draconizen so special? Draconizen was especially useful against monsters and sorcerers, because it would light up whenever they came around. Not that either of us have ever seen such a thing, but it is supposed to be indestructible, unless you happen to have a volcano lying around. And yes... I want one just as much as anyone else after hearing those stories. But Felix said that Draconizing metal was different from other things. Powerful, yes, but it is also very dangerous. And you should treat it with caution and a small amount of fear. And as the camera zooms in on the word sorcerer, it zooms back out and we follow Amboise as he makes his way towards the helm. 
Angelica, what are you doing at this moment? Angelica's taking some time just to be with Saya. We're just sailing right now, so there's not a whole lot to do. You catch the two of them just dishing on the tea of the ship and everything going on. And he is literally standing there for a good three, four minutes. <laughs> just standing there. Oh. <laughs> Mr. Pendragon, what can I do for you? Salut, Captain. Uh, Saya. I hope that I am not interrupting. Not at all. Unless, of course, you have hotter tea than we do. Angelica just looks at her wife and giggles, which is not a thing she normally does. She's in a mood. Saya. <laughs> well, did you know? <gasps> I have nothing. Oh. One of these days, you're going to surprise us with something. We may. That day is not today. Uh, I've come to ask for permission to facilitate a request from Diego. Instantly serious again. What's it about? It is nothing bad. Uh, simply conveying messages to his wife. Yes, he spoke to me about it. Is it the same tablet? Oui. The tablet may not be as necessary, but it is important to have just in case. Well, I spoke to him, and as long as he does not include our whereabouts or our destination, I don't feel that correspondence is inherently dangerous to us and our mission. Are you going to rewrite the letter? Oh, no. I'm going to send the letter as is. But I need to make sure there's a proper way to get the letter back and forth from where it needs to go. And there is only one person who I could think of that can get the letter where it needs to go. So I must go to where I believe I can find them. So you are really asking for a permission to disembark? We oui. Permission to disembark, see for play. Granted. Also, before I forget, uh, I did happen to find a book that is of great interest to me, and I would like your feedback on it when you have a chance. I would be happy to look it over. It is currently with Diego. Uh, he may pass it off to Dala at some point. Well, uh, like I said, we'll have time. I'm not expecting any trouble on the way. If I get it by tomorrow, I'll be happy to read it over. And I do also have one note. Uh, I'm going to assume that it goes without saying. Please, I beseech you on a level that you have never had me beseech you before. Do not, under any circumstances, let that girl near my door. Tia will not see the sun until we reach her home. Jesus. I did not mean to get that dark. Everyone needs a little bit of sunlight every now and then. She has a window. Mm, chuckles a little bit and we'll turn to walk away. Fuck! <laughs> she ripped our threads. She's not going Anywhere. Anywhere. She's not going to see the light of day. <laughs> so he will go to the top deck. He will slice his palm, coat his rapier with some blood as usual. And with something closer to surgical precision than when he normally works, he is going to stab in the air and very slowly drag down. There is that telltale scream as the world is being cut, regardless of how accurate and how precise and how careful you are. The world always screams. And as Amboise walks in, the whispers of the world drown everything else out. I love it. We are fast approaching my favorite plot line. (laughs) (laughs) 
And to find out what that is, you're just going to have to come back next week. Sorry, friends. That's all I've got. I know. I know. But until then, we'll see you next time, friends. And remember, be safe and well.